Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast Show. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Get it on iTunes. Get it on Stitcher app. You can get it on pulphockey.com uh, as well. Uh, subscribe. Leave a review. Please, re- leave a review. Tell people what you think. And uh, tell us how great uh, you love listening to the show. And you, not so much me, Steve Mathis, but my guest each and every week, uh, his own podcast show, to discuss the ins and outs of the NHL. Former NHL, the man scored over 100 goals in junior. Uh, former um, um, Hartford Whaler, New York Ranger, LA King. Ah, I went over it last week. Now doing work for TSN up in Canada, the main game analyst. Ray Ferraro, what's up, Ray? How are you? I'm good. I uh, was in Ottawa last night for a crazy 7-6 game. Yeah. Uh, Columbus won. Um, neither goalie could stop too much, which is always kind of entertaining to me. And then uh, in Toronto tonight for uh, uh, Calgary, and then back in Ottawa tomorrow for Washington, who have just been steamrolling over everybody. On fire, uh, so, yeah. Oh my God, they're just they're just <laughs> destroying just about everybody. So um, busy week, and um, hey, you were mentioning about leave a comment. Yeah, people should. Uh, something you like, something you don't like, something you want to hear, something you want to talk about. Um, just drop a line in, and we'll and we'll get to it. Lots of people seem to like the brunette stories and the behind-the-scenes stories, the Larry Robinson stuff we talked about last week and that kind of stuff. So anytime you want to throw something in like that, I think people enjoy it. Yeah, we can uh, we can get to that. We can uh, we'll we'll grab a couple more Thrasher guests, which are always entertaining. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, uh, try and try and peg a couple of guys from LA as well that that uh, I played with there. We had uh, it was just you know what it's like any team, any guy you talk to. There's all kinds of fun stuff that never sees the light of day. Yeah, and um, yeah. that outside of living your dream, that's the stuff that uh, that makes it all the more fun. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, later on in the show, Brendan Gallagher from the Montreal Canadiens, um, somebody that you know well through Landon, your son Landon, and uh, assistant captain of the Montreal Canadiens. He's out right now with an injury, uh, a horrible injury that I would not wish on anybody. Um, but we'll have Brendan Gallagher on later. Yeah, fracture, he's got a fractured finger. Uh, he actually broke the same one last year. And uh, Shea Weber hit him with a slap shot. And I can't even imagine what that felt like. Um, I get hit. I broke my toe. Al McGinnis hit me once. I, would, I didn't block it, trust me. I was trying to get out of the way. <laughs> and, and he hit me in the foot. And um, if you remember the old Fred Flintstone cartoons when he'd ever drop his bowling ball on his foot. Right. And his toe would just, like, start to have its own heartbeat and get bigger. And it, like, that's what it felt like. It was brutal. So... I asked Brandon if he'd come on. He says, I got nothing else to do. So yeah. He's, uh, he's just sitting around. He can't, uh, you know, he can skate and do a bunch of cardio stuff. Right. It kind of sucks. He's got to, you know, got to wait for the bones to heal. Especially for him, too. Habs sort of treading water right now. Carey Price, maybe a mi- bit of midseason um, blues, you know. Um, so for a guy sitting on a sideline, a guy like Gallagher, he's got to just be, he's got to be killing him. Yeah, he's, um, he's always been. Um, like even when he was a kid, he was like in perpetual motion. He was, 
you know, his dad was uh, was a strength coach for the Vancouver Giants, a junior team for years. He's running runs a program out um, in their area of Vancouver, and he's um, you know he runs kids through fitness and um, you know. So Brendan was all as long as I remember him, he was always doing something. And right. uh, this would be extremely boring uh, to sit around like this. So, and talking about the Capitals, uh, so we'll have Gallagher on in a little bit, everybody. That'll be that'll be fun and uh, nice to talk to him. So we we talked last week a little bit about the the Metro Division and these teams and the Jackets and everything else. And you, like you said, you called the Jackets Senators last night, and we touched on the Capitals here. The Capitals have caught the Blue Jackets, and the Blue Jackets are still a nice story. But last night they were a bit leaky. Since their streak ended, they've been they've been good, not great. And here come the Capitals. Um, what's your take on the Blue Jackets after seeing them up close? And, and do they have enough to hold hold on? Or the Capitals? Do you see the Capitals going by? Um, we'll start with Columbus. I was I was actually really impressed with them yesterday because they played the day before, um, as did Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Both these teams were in three games in four nights. They played on Thursday in Columbus. Uh, Columbus was at home for Carolina on Saturday and then in Ottawa Sunday. Um, Ottawa was, of course, in Columbus Thursday. They were in Toronto on Saturday and at home on on Sunday. So what I was impressed about was they were down 5-3 and they never gave in. You know, they they kept playing. They got an incredibly lucky break. It was kind of like a pop fly. And somehow Ottawa's goalie, Mike Condon, missed it. You know, it's funny, these guys catch 95-mile-an-hour slap shots, and this was like a little pop fly, and he just whiffed it. Right. And uh, it actually looked like when Conseco got hit in the head mm-hmm. with the home run, <laughs> except it didn't hit him in the head. Right, right. It could have. He's it like, I got it, I got it, I got it, I don't got it. <laughs> yeah, and then the old coconut sound, and it, and it goes. So they, they're they fast, they're aggressive. Um, two guys that really, really stood out for me. Um I've seen Zach Wierenski play in the World Junior Tournament, mm-hmm. but for a kid, he is so smooth. He handles the puck so well. He scored last night, had an assist as well. Um, uh, last year, he, he finished uh, at the University of Michigan and uh, signed a pro contract, went to the American League, where uh, their American League team uh, in Cleveland won the Calder Cup, the AHL championship. He had 14 points in 17 games. And now he looks like he's been in the NHL forever. He just mm-hmm. kind of wheels around with a puck. I mean, until you see him up close, and he looks like like he looks like he's fifteen. <laughs> and but he looks just so comfortable on the ice. And then the other guy is uh, Alexander Wenberg, who's their top line center. And you know, it's pretty cool how a trade impacts a whole team. So last year, Columbus wanted a number one defenseman. Nashville wanted a number one center. So they traded Ryan Johansson, and they got Seth Jones back. Mm-hmm. So by getting Seth Jones, they got their number one defenseman, and then it opened up minutes and responsibility for Wenberg. And Wenberg has, uh, I think he's got 31 assists now on the season. He's a terrific passer. And uh, he's been a a real big reason why Columbus's power play is the best in the league. They They got a couple power play goals last night. Wenberg had three assists. But those two guys, Wierenski and Wenberg, um, really stood out. And the other thing I would say is, uh, you know, in that Columbus has to be excited about. They're the second youngest team in the league. So they've got all kinds of growth. Mm-hmm. So all that nice stuff being said, they're not as good as Washington. Right, and, right. And, and I think, you know, I mean, the Capitals are, 
as I said, they're just steamrolling everybody. They're, they've got 11 wins and two overtime losses in their last 13 games. It's like whichever way you want to play, that's the yeah, way yeah. they can play. They they can beat you one nothing. Um, you know they can they can get into a game like they did in Pittsburgh that eight seven game because yeah. they can score, of course. And uh, it's not you know it's not just the Vetchkin. There's you know um, Justin Williams got uh, nine goals in twelve games. Oshie's got seven goals in twelve games. Um, their power play is dangerous. They're doing this right now without John Carlson. Um, heck, Jay Beagle's their fourth line center. He's got ten goals. Yeah. It's like whatever they, whatever they need, they seem to have somebody to fill it. They're, I would say they and Pittsburgh are the are the co-favorites, not just in the East, but mm-hmm. to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, it, it's certainly looking that way. And uh, that, that eight, we'll talk about that eight. Well, first, let me go this. So the pregame meeting with Torts, was it good? Was it? Oh, always. He's, always, okay. Uh, uh, Tor- Torts is... <laughs> He's actually really, he's a really good guy. You know, I mean, people that see him on Sports Center and see him losing his mind behind the bench, they, they think he's this raving lunatic yes. all the time. And it really couldn't be any further from the truth. He's actually really soft-spoken, mm-hmm. um, you know, off the ice. Yep. He's quiet. He, you know, we talk about family. Uh, after the first period, he, um, him and Brad Shaw, uh, two of the coaches, I played with Brad for years in Hartford. And mm-hmm. so we, you know, I just said hi, jumped, you know, looked around the glass and we had a good laugh at, at the way the game was going already. And, um, <laughs> and I said, Torch, you're going to be able to hold it together today. And he just laughed because it was, it was already out of control at the end of the first period. There right. were, I don't know, Steve, there had to be 15 scoring chances in the first period. And it had the look of one of those games that was never going to settle down. And it didn't. <laughs> Well, especially for and the Sens coach, Guy Boucher, that is not his style of hockey. Not his no, preferred style. You know, you know what I think they have to do? Mm-hmm. You know, I think in a game like that, the coaches, they realize that, okay, this game isn't going to lock itself down. Right. So we just have to be as aggressive as we can and try and make one less mistake than them. Yeah. And what ended up happening is it got into overtime. Um, Ottawa had a two-on-one, and Carlson tried to – Go top shelf. He missed it. Mm-hmm. Went around the Goes glass. Around, yeah. Cam Atkinson got a breakaway. There that we go. It. Right. Game was over. Like one more mistake, and that was it. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and everybody goes home. If I'm torts and I have these pregame meetings, well, I guess you know a lot of the the game analysts and and the uh, the play by play guys aren't the ones that that skewered him over and over after the World Cup. But if I'm torts, I'm I'm going after the, all of those guys because he's been buried by many many people many times. Some of it justified. You know, but he's got to sure. be feeling pretty good. But, but here's the thing. This is what I think, and I think I would counsel athletes and, um, you know, anybody that yeah. gets evaluated on by the media is um, you have to remember they're watching you to write their story. Mm-hmm. You don't watch them. Why would you care what they do? Yeah. They're, they're, the reason they're working is to evaluate what they're watching. That's their job, but it doesn't impact you at all. You're doing, they're not. You're living your dream, Mm -hmm. and they would like to do what you're doing. So don't be pissed off about it. They're gonna if they got to write something bad, they're gonna write something bad. Hey, it's their job. Like just let it go. I should. I mean, get you to call some. Probably should go. Go ahead. What's that? I should get you to call some motocross riders that 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 don't. I should should maybe call the president. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't want any of your alternate facts. Alternative facts. There, there will be no alternate facts to the 1.5 million people that are sitting in my hotel room. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I can't say too much. I'm in America. These lines could be hot. Yeah. Uh, oh, don't worry. The, that, the Dallas Stars had up on their, I saw uh, that. On their big screen uh, tonight's attendance, 1.5 million, which I thought was pretty funny. Very risky. Like, I like it, but very, very risky, you know. But um, So, yeah, you called the 7-6 game. Last week on this podcast, we talked about the, that Caps-Pens game and the Stars-Rangers game. Is there any reason that you see that we have, and we we love this, uh, we've talked about it over and over, you have for sure, um, is there any reason you see why, why things have been opened up recently with, in some games? The, the only thing I can think of is that, you know, we've, we've spent a good deal of time, the media over the last couple of years, talking about how there's this influx of high-end skill with these young players. Well, with that high-end skill which is undeniable. I mean, it's, it's awesome to watch. Also is young players that are always thinking they can make the next play. They don't, they're not going to play safely as much as the coaches would like. So they make more mistakes. And that's not to say only the young guys are making mistakes, but the young guys in general have pushed the level and the pace of the game to something that is just quicker than it's, than it's ever been. And so when things happen fast, um, there are mistakes made. And when there are mistakes made, now you've got guys that can finish the play better than, mm-hmm. than they've probably ever, ever been able to. The other thing would be that in, back in the you know, whatever the day was, um, your fourth line, those guys used to get two and three goals a year, and they used to fight, and they used to penalty kill. Mm-hmm. Well, Columbus, have got the league's best power play. Two of the players on the fourth line, uh, Scott Hartnell and Sam Gagne play on the power play. Yep, and they both had they're both in double digits in goals. Like those are players that wouldn't have been in the right. in those roles. They might not have been in the league because they would have said, "Oh, we need checkers and mm. big bangers and crashers." But the league has moved away from that, and I think all of those things kind of add to the potential for goals to be scored. And now we'll we'll see. Uh, going forward, is there you know they're just about a week away or a week and a half away from getting into the new goalie pants. So yep. those are a little, a little more snug. So, uh, you know, I was listening to Devin Dubnik. He, he's not too thrilled that they're breaking him in, in the middle of a season. And, and I can see that. I get from that. The yep. I get that. Yeah. You know, I'm not, look, I'm, I'm never going to defend the goalies as far as, Oh, they should be able to wear this ridiculous, big, crazy gear, mm-hmm. but this is pretty tough to you're midway through the season and whatever you've been wearing now, you can't wear it anymore. And so they've got to kind of adjust on the fly. I know everybody's got to do it. Yeah. You know, the, you know, it's the same for everybody, but it, it'll be an adjustment. But that's the first step of, you know, probably the the next eight months when they try and get the the upper gear, the, the chest protectors, which is the real ridiculous stuff. Once they try and get that organized as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tampa Bay or Boston? Who do you want to talk about? Lots of rumors swirling around Claude Julian. Once again, Tampa has bottomed yep. out. I think John Cooper's safe there. Just you know, some injuries have hit. Bishop probably isn't playing as well as they would have hoped. Um, well, let's touch on Tampa first because okay. it's a little little less involved. I think yeah. you know, you're right. Bishop Bishop was hurt. Uh, Vasilevsky played a bunch of games in a row, and I think what they realized is Ben Bishop. Well, not that they needed to realize, but everybody's realized that Ben Bishop is 
really been a backbone for that team. Mm-hmm. Um, Vasilevsky, I think, is going to be a number one goalie and a very good one, but maybe he's not quite ready for it. Um, so they, you know, they've lost Stamkos, and you know, you can short-term wallpaper over that, but after a while, you're missing, you know, one of your yeah. most dangerous players. So they miss him. Uh, they've had some players that have taken a step back. Um, and struggled uh, offensively. Tyler Johnson hasn't had as as good a year as maybe you would would expect him to have. Uh, Andre Palat, the same thing. They don't have Ryan Callahan. He's been out um, and injured for a long time. The real problem, as I see it, is they've got Victor Hedman and Anton Strollman and then a bunch of other guys mm-hmm. on defense. And um, that's a position that I think they really have to address. Um, I've good luck addressing it yep. because yep. everybody else needs the same thing. You know, it's, it doesn't, you know, it's not, it's not like the manager, Steve Eiserman is sitting there and reading the paper and saying, <laughs> Oh gee, these guys say we need a defenseman. Yeah. They know too, yeah. but you just can't go get them. It's, it's difficult to find. And, you know, we'll see if Tampa now is, which is dead last in the East, which yeah. is crazy. I know. I, I didn't realize they were dead last until I pulled it up. Yeah. So now, now does that change what Eiserman does from now until March 1st? Does he say, okay, look, um, maybe I'll call Dallas mm-hmm. and see if they want Ben Bishop. Maybe I'll talk to St. Louis, see if they're inter- interested in Ben Bishop. Right? You know, like yeah. maybe yep. that opens up a couple of moves that he might not have considered a little while ago. I mean, or, and then, uh, or is there a way oh, Bishop yeah. stays there? Is there a way that they go, wait, whoa, whoa, uh, Vasilevsky's not ready? Is there any way Bishop? I don't think, stay- I don't think they can do that like, financially. Yeah, because just cap. You, just cap. Yeah, I, you, you know they signed Vasilevsky to a deal that's considerably less money than what Bishop would command, mm-hmm. and um, I, I think that's yeah. that's basically the road they got to run down. Right, and then that gets us to Boston. Yeah, they're. Uh, I'm really kind of surprised by this all because it seems like management has in their head that they're a contending team. And I'm not sure what they think they're contending for. <laughs> because right. because if you look at their team, they're clearly in transition in a lot of spaces. Their defense isn't very good. They weren't able to improve it over the summer, despite really trying hard to, to get a deal done with either Boston for or uh, St. Louis for Shattenkirk or Anaheim for one of their young guys or Minnesota for Jonas Brodeen. And couldn't, for whatever reason, the deal didn't come together. So, they don't have a backup goalie, so they. How is this a playoff team, yeah. or how is this a team that's going to be consistent and start to finish? So, look, if they think firing Claude Julian um, is the move they have to make because it's time, well, then that's the way it goes. That's the way. That's the way management um, can make their decisions because they have to look at whatever they think the overall picture is. But if they're going to fire Julian because they think the team's underachieving. I, again, I don't know what they thought they were going to yeah. achieve. Why is there always, and maybe I'm wrong, why is there always so much noise with Neely, Sweeney, and the media? Are there a lot of leaks in that front office or something? There's always. Well, I don't know if there's a lot of leaks, but there's a lot of messages. Right. And so, you know, Don Sweeney had his press conference at the end of the year last year, and he was uh, sitting there and answering questions. And then two days later, Cam Neely and Charlie Jacobs, mm-hmm. the owner's son, um, they come out and they have their press conference. Well, yeah. the messages are, are <laughs> you know, they can't be the same because yep. they come from two different people and they weren't the same. And so there's a real, 
confusion as to who exactly is in charge here and who exactly is pushing the final button, mm-hmm. whatever whatever that might be for whatever decision has to be made. And so, you know, I I think they've, you know, I I think they've not done themselves any favors with the with the multiple messaging. Right. And it's kind of funny. The 2011 Stanley Cup finalists, Boston and Vancouver. Vancouver, in a lot of ways, is is got the same deal going because Jim Benning will do interviews. Trevor Linden will do interviews. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they say conflicting things. Trevor's the president in in Vancouver, much the same as uh, uh, Cam Neely is in yep. Boston. So they will say, you know, what they think, mm-hmm. and then the general managers will say what they think. And in enough times, it's not the same that it really is confusing. Yeah, it's interesting. Some of the personnel moves, like you said, they had uh, they have the three first rounders that they tried to move. They couldn't, right? Um, they didn't want well, to make those was, picks. Hey, Steve, did you have you ever seen a guy look more uncomfortable than Don Sweeney <laughs> going up there to make those draft picks? When he went up the third time, I mean, I don't really know Don, <laughs> right? But, you know, I know him to say hi, but I was uncomfortable for him because <laughs> it certainly wasn't it certainly wasn't their strategy mm-hmm. to make deals to get the 13th, 14th and 15th pick of the draft and have them all. Yeah. Like that, that would. Yeah. And then they went off the board on all three picks. Yeah. Kind of right. Yeah. That's they, what I read. they drafted players that other people, most other people didn't have in that, um, in that range. Now, you know, Zaboro is a defenseman. Um, I've seen him in the world junior championships uh, a couple times, uh, Senishin and uh, DeBrusque are forwards, and time will tell whether whether those guys can make an impact. Patrice Bergeron not having a great year either. Chara slowing down. Um, you know, David Backus, I guess there's some questions about how much Backus had left. He plays a hard game, a grinding game, you know, um, and they signed him well, as a free agent. So start a Bergeron. Those yeah. guys play – they play – it seems like they're playing all year. <laughs> I know, right. you know, Bergeron played a pile of minutes last year. He goes into training camp early because he's got to go to the World Cup of Hockey. Yeah. He's outstanding there. Eventually, you're just going to run out of mm-hmm. – you just run out of gas. Um, Chara is I, – I, I don't know if he's 40 yet or if he's 39. Yep. But he was – you know, he's clearly slowing down. You've got – you can't expect a guy at that age to continue to play at the highest level that you remember. It just It's just not possible. Father time wins – Every time. Undefeated. He's undefeated. <laughs> undefeated. Absolutely. Unless you're Tom Brady. But eventually, I guess that'll happen to him, too. Well, I think, yeah, at some Although point, it's just, it's just going to fall off. Um, what's it like going into a corner with Char, Ray? What, what was that like back in the day? Uh, in and out quick. There's no need to be lingering. <laughs> you know? Good there's, God. <laughs> there's, just, just... there's just no reason. Uh, actually, one of the proudest, um, well, not really, but one of the <laughs> right. things I'm most entertained with is... Uh, when I was in Atlanta, um, I actually got a roughing penalty with him. Mm. <laughs> wow. And so it, it, somehow it looks on the sheet, you know, Chara and Ferraro roughing. roughing. Um, <laughs> I I assume had he been really, really mad, I would have been in row 42. Yeah. Like he would have just, you yeah. know, flung me over like a, you know, a cat <laughs> you throw over the fence or something. I don't know. One thing that's, I guess, when I see Boston highlights, and, and what a weird – Run they've had recently. Uh, they lost six five to the Wings in a crazy game, one nothing to the Hawks, and then five one to the Pens. They've lo- they lost all three in all sorts of different ways. 
Um, yeah, well, I think that's a team that you that you would say then they're they're searching, they're grasping for anything, an identity. You know, they right, gave up, yeah. they had that wild game, so okay, we got to lock it down. Yeah, and then it's one nothing, and then they get, you know, they they get into the next game and Penn's the just, game just got away from them. They can't keep up to Pittsburgh, and it's five one. But from what you know, I've seen, uh, Tuka Rosk has been good. He's bounced back. Uh, he's had, he had an outstanding start. Yeah, um, I think now he's. You know he's a little bit underwater, a little bit here. Okay. He just the Bruins are just getting overwhelmed, and I, again, he's the only guy they want to play. You know they they didn't they had signed Anton Kudobin again and uh, second time through there in Boston, and he couldn't couldn't get it done. And now they've got Zane McIntyre up, and they hope he can give them some starts. But you can't run the guy out mm-hmm. there every day to Karask and expect that his game's not going to fall apart eventually. Eventually, you just get tired, even if you don't admit it. Yeah. The, the truth is, you just get tired. Um, does this end with Julian getting a pink slip? Is this was this where this ends? And, and and then Julian probably immediately getting hired by Las Vegas. Well, I don't think it's immediate and immediate, but I I just don't see how the he's going to be able to do enough in Boston to yep. to put everything to the side. Um, and it's a terrible place to be for Claude, who is a a really good man mm-hmm. and has done a really good job there uh, for a decade. Uh, Sometimes, you know, you if the new vision, if, you, if you've got a new vision, well, then you might need somebody new to, to carry it out. Um, as far as Vegas, I mean, every, everybody that gets fired is <laughs> immediately, right, right. you know, going to Vegas because, well, there's a vacancy there. I mean, they, they said it about Gerard Gallant. There's, you know, yeah. a couple, of, ch- you know, a couple sure. of words about Jack Capuano. If it's Claude Julian, of course, he's going to be favored to go out there, but... I just I, think he's I a good coach. I think he's a great coach. I, 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 you know, I just yeah. But there's, there's gonna. So, what about Ken Hitchcock? He's not. He's gonna done. Be in St. Louis next year. He said he's done. No, no, he's not. Well, that, he's, I don't buy that for. A oh, second. you don't? Okay, all right. No, he's already dropped stuff that you know he's got lots left, and he, you know, <laughs> that arrangement um, was curious to me to begin with. Mm-hmm. You said um, that, yeah. But I, I don't know that Ken is ready to, you know, maybe he is ready to walk away, but he will be available and maybe they'll talk to him too. There's going to be so much rumor around uh, before George McPhee gets to making a coaching hire. Um, I do remember though, when Nashville came in, they hired Barry Trotz a year before. Yeah. And he, he was doing scouting as well. They were, they were scouting games, um, a year prior, trying to get a handle on who might be part of a a new Predators team. Um, yeah, which is which is, isn't a bad idea, right? It's a good idea. No, if you, yeah. I mean, they had decided on Trot. Yep. And, you know, so they had, you know, they at the time, you know, Barry was a young coach who had been successful in the American League, and so they had decided on him, and uh, so they basically paid him for a year to be a scout. Yeah, and you know, help prop up what was going to be their draft list. And so that, 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 you know, he was, he was employed a year mm-hmm. before there was a team. Really proud of myself. The last few shows for our, I have not touched on my Toronto Maple Leafs and I've been trying not to, and I've been good, I think. Well, not bad, but I mean, <laughs> so there's nothing for you to touch on now. They've lost a couple in a row. That's okay. One's a shootout. Got a point. Morgan Riley's hurt. He'll be back soon. Frankie Carrado. The Leafs have been so fortunate to be as healthy as they've yeah, been. they have been. 
And, you know, and so you, you can see, and, and this is not anything other than just, you know, the fact or the way it is, is they don't, they're not deep. Um, how can you be, given last year they were 30th? I mean, mm-hmm. they've made a remarkable turnaround. But you see what one injury does to their blue line. Mm-hmm. It just, well, I guess there was two, because Marinchin was out too. But, I mean, let's, we're talking about their top defense. Right. He goes out, and the first game a, is a mess. The, you know, the Rangers could have had about eight. I blame you on that. For, I, I blame you for that game. I don't know. I felt like you were their bad luck charm. They were on fire until you showed up. No, they were on fire until Morgan Riley got hurt. The fact that I was standing there had nothing to do with anything. Um, so now they, yeah. you know, they got a Calgary team that stumbles in today after getting their teeth kicked in at home against Edmonton, and mm-hmm. um, so they'll try and change change the way the last couple games have been. Babcock, how's Babcock's pregame stuff? Is he, is he as short with you guys as he? I don't get a chance to. I don't talk to him much. I don't. You know, okay. we do them so often. I you know yeah. I listen to his press conferences and. Okay. That's enough. Yeah, that, that's good enough. Um, does Frankie Corrado ever get back in? He did not have a good game. Against no, the I'm, well, Frankie's the, Frankie's the eighth defenseman, and so now he's the seventh defenseman, and when Riley comes back, he'll be the eighth defenseman again. And it does suck for him because I, I don't think he had much chance to play well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know he played seven games in the American League uh, on a conditioning stint, which was, which was good mm-hmm. for him. But you come in, and I could just – see and uh in watching him that every decision he was making he was it was almost like he was agonizing over every decision sometimes you just have to say screw it let's go mm-hmm. and you just play but he wasn't at that point and he you know he took a couple of penalties and turned the puck over a little bit it was it was a real tough night for him i was going to ask you about sort of being a healthy scratch and coming back in but i mean have you ever been a healthy scratch mm-hmm Oh yeah, yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't Hartford uh, oh, wow. for a few times. Oh jeez, um, didn't know that. wasn't wasn't very pleased about it. And <laughs> was that know, had, was that Rick Lee? No, Larry Plo, oh, was, Plo? The, okay. was the coach then, and uh, Larry was my coach in Binghamton, and uh, he took over for Jack Evans midway through a season, and I think I sat out probably like eight of ten games. Oh, and um, surprised. Yeah, okay. it wasn't it, it wasn't a very great time. I was young. Uh, it was tough to handle, and then. Yep. I uh, got back in the lineup and played pretty well, I guess. And then the next year, I scored 40 goals. So, um, <laughs> whatever I learned from sitting out, other than where the press boxes were, um, you know, you unfortunately all you can do is look after yourself. Then that's it. Yes, it's a team game, but when you're when you're out, um, it's an incredibly selfish time because nobody wants to hear your tales of woe. Mm-hmm. You know, oh gee, I get scratched again. You know, because everybody's busy doing their thing. Nobody, um, um, nobody can really give you any more advice. I mean, you can look at video, and all you can do is work hard. Um, when when practice is over, you stay out and you work some more, and then you go in and you work out, and it, you and know. you go home and you watch the game, and then you do it all over again, and you just try and make sure that when your time comes, when you get a call to play, that you play well enough that the coach thinks you're a good enough option to play again. Had Sean Pronger on here a little bit last year, and you know he had a ton of healthy scratches, and he told me that it's really weird because it's like you're not part of the team. They don't want you in the room hanging out beforehand. They don't. Yep. They, they just want you away from the team after the game, kind of duck in, grab stuff, say hi, beat it. Like, and I, I was confused by this whole thing. And he's like, it's really weird. You just you're on the team, but you're not, and you just keep 
not playing every game, and you're working your well, ass and, off in and practice. A lot of times, and, yeah. a lot of times they, an injured guy, uh, they don't want him around at the same time as the team. Yeah. So the injured guy will come in early, do his rehab, and then get out of there. I think it's well, how, ridiculous. Why is that? That seems I, I don't know. To me, it's like you've been excommunicated because you're injured. <laughs> right. I, I, I've never understood it. When I was hurt um, in Los Angeles, when I was rehabbing uh, my knee, mm-hmm. um, I'm like, this sucks. The only guy I see is the trainer. Right. Like we go in there and, you know, the team would finish practicing and um, I'd show up kind of because the trainer gave me the option. Do you want to come in at 7 in the morning or, or do you want to come after. at 11.30? Yeah, yeah. And I'd be like, uh, 11.30 is better for me. You <laughs> right. know, some days I'd go at 7. but um, So I'd go at 11.30. The guys would be finishing up. and So you can BS with them a little bit and you know, say hi and how you doing. They, they all go for lunch, and I'm in the gym for the next three hours. Like, gee, yeah. that's fun. It's like the morning skates we talked about a couple shows ago. It's just an old-school mentality that no one's ever corrected. But if you're an assistant captain or a veteran – and you're, you know, a respected member of the team, and you're hurt. Like, who wouldn't want you around? And maybe you help well, out, and the, you know, I don't the, know. Well, there's nothing really to help out with, and I and I understand it from the trainer's perspective. So the guy that's doing your rehab, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the medical staff, they've also got to look after the 22 players that are going on the ice for practice. So they can't be really focused on the work they're doing with you, um, because you know somebody's uh, got to come in and get a sure. wrist tape. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, somebody needs this, somebody needs that. I don't know. There's always there's always something going on. Uh, I understand that, but and I understand that you can't be in the room before the game, or you know, because it's it's not a country club. You know, guys <laughs> are supposed to be getting ready, and if you're not playing, your focus is far different than somebody's that is. Right. And so I get I get that. Okay. But the fact that you've got to be, you know, like uh, just gone out of sight to the right. team. Is, right. I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, well, let's let's uh, let's bring in somebody who uh, who's going through that right now with an injury, unfortunately for him. Uh, Montreal Canadiens, Brendan Gallagher. Let's come up. Uh, Paul Pocky podcast show with Ray Ferraro uh, right now. Brendan Gallagher for the Montreal Canadiens. All right, as promised, here on the Paul Pocky podcast, bringing in Montreal Canadiens, Brendan Gallagher. What's up, Brendan? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're good. Thanks for coming on. It's uh, it sucks that you're hurt. That's that's no fun. And um, but I gotta say, if there's one thing, Ray, if there's one player that I would not want to get hit by a slap shot with, uh, it would be Shea Weber, Ray. Scally, you can't move, can you? When you're there, I still haven't seen the puck, so it's uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't think there's much chance of me getting out of the way. Oh, you, you knew right away, huh? Uh, as soon as I looked down, it was it was identical to what happened last time. So I think you know a lot of people have seen the frustration I showed on the bench. I I knew right away I was going to miss some time. Now, since you're in there all the time in front of the net, and is there any like can you put more padding on your gloves? Like the you know when I played, the gloves were way heavier and bulkier and stuff. Like you guys, as are so light, could you could you put something on there, or would that even help? Uh, well, I, I had something on there last year when I came back from injury, and I, I took it off to start this year. I'm, I'm not sure if it would have helped or not, but, um, you know, I kind of mentioned it. Uh, for the rest of my career now, I'll, I'll have to find something. So while I'm hurt, I'm going to look at options, um, you know, try and try and find something that I can put there. And I don't know. If, I got hit by two of the hardest slap shots in the league, uh, Webbs and Boychuk, so I don't know if it would have helped or not. But yeah. <laughs> I've got to take every precaution now. Does, he, does, uh, does Shea owe you dinner at least? 
<laughs> he takes me out for enough meals. Uh, he comes and hangs out with me every morning when I'm doing my my training and my rehab. So it's more than enough. Keeps me coming. Did you see that list that's been out? Of the number of I have. guys he's hit. Oh, my God. It's like 15 guys. Oh, I missed this. I didn't <laughs> see this. <laughs> I, I forwarded it to him as soon as I saw it. So, uh, <laughs> he's got to do something different, I guess. Put the puck in the net. Don't hit us. <laughs> Don't hit me, man. You know, I saw you skated today. That looked really fun. You had a stick with no blade. <laughs> like, yeah, that was... That, that, did, that, did that feel as ridiculous as it looked? Oh yeah, I was. <laughs> I've been in. I've been in the doctor's ear a bit uh, for them to let me back on the ice. He's been saying no, no, and he finally came up with this solution. Because I guess last time I wasn't. I wasn't the best patient. Uh, they let me on the ice a little early last year. The first thing I did was start shooting pucks. So they cut off my blade to make sure that I wouldn't do that this time around. Uh, I don't know how long I have to do this, but it, it wasn't the most natural feeling, that's for sure. Well, when, before you came on, I was telling Steve we were just off air, and I said, he said, well, why can't he just like not shoot the puck? And I said, there'd be no chance. <laughs> Like, yeah, like I don't get it, Brandon. Like I don't, like I don't get how you cannot be trusted. You just—they got to take the blade off. It was—it was literally the first thing I did last year when I got on the ice. So I went and started shooting pucks in the net after. They told me many times not to, so I lost. I lost trust. <laughs> now, how much? How many times did that same sort of deal run when you were a kid? Like, how many times would your dad, who, by the way, is you know had has been a strength trainer for. Oh, I don't know, decades now, I guess, eh, Gally? But how many times yeah. did your dad have to tell you something seven times because you're the way you are? Uh, he he still has to. It's, um, <laughs> just used to it, but now he's used to it. He knows just kind of my personality, I guess. I, um, yeah, a little bit, a little bit stubborn at times, we'll say. Now, I, I don't know if you guys are so... Um, you know, I, I've known Brendan and his dad for quite some time, and so there's this point where... You know, the dads, we're always telling you guys all the time, you know, I'm telling Landon how to play. I'm sure your dad's <laughs> telling you how to play. At what point have you come up with a phrase like Landon does with me where he goes, I got it, Dad, which basically means no more hockey, zip it. you got to have something. <laughs> me, yeah, me and my brother always say, yes, Ian, and he knows. We start calling him by his first name, and he, he knows you know, he knows enough's enough. Eh? We've had enough, and he usually waits till tomorrow, and then he gets his point across. Then, <laughs> well, it's good to know it's the same in everybody's house. I, I'm, I'm really pleased it's not just me. You know, well, especially uh, Brandon. You know, you know Ray well, and Lan- like Ray can talk. Like Ray will just keep talking about. Oh yeah, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, but here's the thing, Brendan is. You're much the same. If there's nobody there, you might as well just keep talking in case somebody comes in, right? Well, you could say you got the perfect job right now for you. You can talk and talk all you want. People request you get out. You get to wake up in the morning. People are asking you to talk. It's perfect for you. You found out your many and, and the checks just keep coming in. Now, <laughs> hey, ten years from now, that chair will be dusted off for you. <laughs> hey, Brandon, what did you make of the Roman Polak-Ray interaction? Uh, Polak is a very scary man, but what did you make of that? I was I was impressed by Ray's composure. He didn't he didn't wink at eye. He was stood there the whole time. And he had to have seen him, but he acted like he didn't know he was looking. And it was, it was well, the funny part, Galley. The funny part was he kept he was going no, no, no the whole time. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> 
man, you tripped him. It's a penalty. But that's a big dude sitting back yeah. in the whole time in a suit, man. I, you should have turned to him and asked him to get in on the conversation. It would have made for good TV. Now, see, that would have been good. See, you do have a future in this galley, 100%. <laughs> now, hey, right. in your room, I've seen, you know, I've been in there, and like you and Gal Chanyuk are always yucking it up, and, you know, you guys got a lot to say to each other. Who talks as much as you in that room? Is there anybody? Uh, well, since we got shot, no one else is allowed to talk. He's always, uh, he was out of the lineup for a bit, and it felt like, I don't know. It felt like uh, we we're missing that role, and then since we got him back in the room, he he keeps. Uh, he's definitely a high energy guy. He keeps life in the room. Um, there's never a quiet day when he's around. That's for sure. What's uh, what's the best thing of playing in Montreal? Is there one? Uh, I I just love the passion that the fans have, and um, you know, there's there's players that don't like it, but for me, playing in front, playing in this market. You know, playing in front of fans that uh, are passionate about winning the Stanley Cup is, as we are as players, we know that they're going to support us throughout the way. And, you know, it really does mean a lot to us. Um, and I don't I don't know if we had a better chance of understanding that than what we went through last year. We were, obviously, everyone knows we got off to the good start and then mm-hmm. we started losing. But the support was still there from them. They knew, the, they knew what we were going through and they knew how they were going to, you know, have an impact on the games. They still showed up every night. They still cheered for us last game of the year. They still showed up and uh, gave us a standing ovation at the end. And uh, that's that's not something that a lot of fans and a lot of markets would do. So as, as players, we appreciated that, and it gave us a really good understanding of, you know, what it means to, to put on that jersey every game. I always find it interesting, Brendan, that people do talk about Toronto and Montreal and maybe maybe the Rangers, you know, uh, in, in, down in the U.S., or, or if you go to other sports, the Dodgers or whatever, the media exposure and the media jumps on you. I guess if, if, if it's you, you embrace what it is, right? You know you're going in what it's like. You know there's competing papers, and, and you're going to have to do X amount of media interviews and X amount of stand-up, stand-ups here and there, and embrace it. Appreciate that fans care. I mean, Ray, you played in Atlanta. Right, <laughs> oh, we would have loved. We would have loved to have had what these guys have, but it's it's got to be different, doesn't it, Galley? Like, like there's got to be pressure to it too. No, or is it just the way it is? Yeah, I mean, everyone's a little bit different. Everyone handles it a different way, and uh, you know, for me personally, there's there's no extra pressure that a fan base can put on you than you're already going to have on yourself as a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of where you're playing, you still want to go out and, and do what you can do to, to win a hockey game. It just it just helps when you have fans behind you supporting you and, and cheering you on along the way and, and and obviously the media is a part of it and there's some mornings when when you wake up and you you don't really want to talk to them but uh, you know the the good definitely outweighs the bad and uh, you know we're pretty lucky to be able to play in this city. Now, last one for me, Brendan, is you you've still got a few weeks to go um, before you can get back and play. When can you really ramp up to get going, or is it just basically when the doctors say? you know, your fingers healed enough to, that you can withstand all that. Yeah. Like I get x-rays every week and, and really the only challenge for me right now is, is whenever the bone's going to heal. And, and that's kind of the frustrating part because it's out of my control. But last, last injury, the big thing was getting the finger to move uh, because it was a different part of the finger. It was, it was a little bit more difficult to go about this time around. I already almost got full movement back in my finger. So it's just whenever the bone heals and, they say around the four-week mark, I'll be able to start strengthening my finger, and, and that's when you can really start, um, you know, thinking about getting back ready to play, doing what you need to do. But until then, it'll be a lot of, 
stickless practice, bladeless practices <laughs> for me. So I look forward just to think there are guys, hey, Just think there are again. guys that play the game like that. Like they don't have to play. <laughs> that's, that's what I said to Davey. Uh, Darren A was joking with me all practice. He said I was a better player without the puck than I was ever with it. Uh, we started laughing. There's guys that skate up and down all night without touching the puck. And I, uh, it can't be that much fun. I was, I was yeah. a little bit miserable today on the ice. Yeah, Ray. I mean, t- did Toy Robinson really need a blade? Nope. No. He just needed a stick so he could drop something to start fighting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, hey, Brendan Gallagher, uh, thank you for your time on uh, on the Ray Ferraro podcast. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Good luck getting back into the lineup, and uh, I'm sure the team misses you. And, uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for the time today. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Gally. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. All right. Uh, thanks for Brendan for his time. Good, good job by you, Ray, to uh, to get him on. Interesting guy. Good interview. And uh, yeah, hopefully he gets back soon, right? Oh, he's Gally's uh, Gally's a, a good kid, man. He's uh, first thing he does he in the morning he gets his foot on the floor and starts talking. So <laughs> just, he's just uh, goes. He's he's always a good guest. That's for sure. He'll be uh, you know he hasn't had a a great year. Uh, by his standards, and um, you know he's going to be winding it back up when you know when they're getting right into the the stretch run, and so it'll be. Uh, I'm sure Montreal will be excited to get him back in the lineup. Absolutely, uh, we touched on Hitch earlier with the St. Louis Blues. Um, I don't know about um, about your boss um, at TSN, but I got a couple bosses. I'm going to try to get a mental break from them, where I, like Jake Allen oh, you, did from St. Louis. You should get one. <laughs> I just want, hey, can I just go home and hang out? Um, that's a bit unusual. The, the Blues basically told Jake Allen, who's been struggling a bit, and St. Louis is in a wild card spot, but they're kind of hanging on just to take a mental break and not, not go to Winnipeg and, and not play. Um, have you seen that before? I've not. Um, now, he's not struggling a bit. He's struggling a lot. <laughs> um, St. Louis has the worst goaltending uh, save percentage in the league. Um, you're, you're not going to go anywhere with – with your goalie stopping the puck as infrequently as they have. Uh, Jake Allen signed a four-year, $17 million deal in the offseason when they let Brian Elliott go. And so the Blues are very confident that he would be able to handle this number one gig, and it just hasn't worked out that way. What I was surprised is that they, they made it public that he was staying home. Mm-hmm. Um, that they were, you know, he needs a mental break. It's about his confidence. Um, you know, both Doug Armstrong and Ken Hitchcock had mentioned that it's, um, you know, it's between his ears, and you know, he's got to settle himself down and and get ready to go back to work. Um, I would have just said he had the flu. Yeah, and then called up Phoenix Copley, who played in Winnipeg, and actually did a really good job. I I wouldn't have brought any more attention to it than than yeah. there than there is already, uh, and just. Have them just say, look, you're not coming to Winnipeg, and um, you're going to be working with the goalie coach. I want you to take the Friday off, and Saturday you work with the goalie coach. Sunday you work with the goalie coach. Monday you come back to practice. Right. And and that that would be it. But now, um, you know, every minor league psychologist around hockey is trying to figure this thing out. And, gee, how's he going to respond? What's he going to do? And, uh, you know, I I don't know that, you know, how – how much anyone needed to know about it. Now, Marty Brodeur said, you know, he talked to him a little bit. Brodeur's on the management team in in St. Louis. And one of the things he said to him was that he's got to get back to being fearless. And, and I really, 
understand that from from a goalie's perspective. You know, mm-hmm. I watched Henrik Lundqvist stumble all over the place um, and then come into Toronto last week, and he wasn't great, but he was better. Yeah. And then the last game, he made some really good saves. Like, you could almost see he's kind of turning the corner just a little bit. Yep. Right? And the the fact is that you have to go into the net and think that nobody's ever going to score on you, even though you know they are. Yeah. It's like a pitcher that gives up a home run on a fastball. Mm-hmm. He can't not throw a fastball again. Yeah. You can't just say, okay, all of a sudden I'm scared yep. and I can't, that, you know, because it, it would never work for you. And I think it's the same for goalies. They, they start to expect a, a shot to beat them or they're starting to guess in the net. Oh, it's going to be a pass here and they come off the post and they get beat on the short side. Uh, it's uh yeah, it's a team game, but you know the, the old saying is we're all out there alone, even though it's a team game, <laughs> yeah. right? Nobody can yeah, help yeah. the goalie. No. We can just do our thing and make sure that we're not giving him as oh. many freebie chances, but he's still got to stop it. Oh, I've heard you say this before when you're on the ice and the goal goes in and guy on your line goes, I had my guy. I had my guy. Always. <laughs> Although it's tougher with video now. Yeah, exactly, right. Because there's no, there's no way to fool video. Right. Video will get you every time. Yeah, exactly. Um, Bruce Boudreau, uh, uh, right now, Minnesota Wild, uh, 65 points, tied with Chicago. Fastest coach to 300 wins, I think I saw the stat last year. Or maybe it was earlier this year. I think it was last year. Um, maybe we don't give this guy enough credit. Like I look at the Wild roster, kind of like I look at the Blue Jackets roster. And again, just as a fan, I look at it and I'm like, like Eric Stahl, I'm like, he's done. He's finished. Like when they signed him last year. Like, And I look at the, the roster and I'm like, eh, okay. And then... Just they're they're great, and Bruce is again at the at behind the bench, and maybe, you know, maybe we need to give this guy some more credit. It took him a hell of a long time to be an overnight success, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly I mean, he, right. he coached just about everywhere. He coached in just about every league. Yeah. Um. You know, he when he got hired in in Washington, um, you know, there's people that thought a lot of people that thought, geez, you know, this guy's just been a minor league coach, and what would he be able to bring? Um, uh, to an NHL mm-hmm. button-down league, and the one thing Bruce is is a incredibly sharp, uh, offensive-minded coach. He was a fantastic player um, back in the day. Yeah. He wasn't so much into conditioning and things, and that probably <laughs> shocking you know, probably hurt him. <laughs> yeah, it probably hurt him a lot. So I, w- I would say that you know one of the things that that hurts Bruce is. Uh, as far as garnering the respect that mm-hmm. that he should get, and and I do believe he deserves it because I I'm with you. I think he's a a really really good coach and would be a good guy to play for. Yeah, um, is that he doesn't he's not six foot four and look like he's chiseled out of stone. You know he's he's just like Gabby. I mean that's his nickname. He's yeah. just Gabby. He's just kind of like a, a round guy and. He likes to laugh, and he, he seems really cool. He seems like a really fun right. guy to talk to, right? Like nice guy. He's just, he just yeah. loves hockey. He'll talk hockey forever. <laughs> but because you know, so people look at him and and think, oh, you know, what would he know? And it's kind of like the old saying your parents always talk about about judging a book in its cover. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think that's hurt Bruce. Um, yet here he is. He's got three hundred wins. He's taken a Minnesota team that. Um, you know, a lot of us had, uh, you know, right around the playoff yeah. cut line, and they've had an amazing start to the year. They score goals, they're aggressive, they've got terrific goaltending from Dubnik, and Bruce is, is the one punching the buttons. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, 
So, yeah, I just feel like, you know, the guy, this is the third team now that he's, I mean, when he took over Anaheim, they weren't exactly killing it. You know, they had great, some good players, but yeah. they weren't, you know, the, the, this this team that he made them into. So, yeah, good job for Bruce. Did you, he ended before you started? I, I know he was early 80s. He got some, some co- you know, cups of coffee in the league uh, with the Leafs and probably done by the time you got established, huh? Yeah, no, I never, uh, I never played against him. Didn't, didn't even really know of him yeah. other than he played a little bit with the Leafs. So, so um, I always knew him yeah, as no, the I, like the I, AHL career leader in goals or something. I right. think he was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's a huge scorer in the American League. Yeah. Um, what about what you make of Robin Leonard uh, staring down coach uh, when he got pulled? Oh, when he was staring down Bilesma there. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really put. Too much stock in it. I mean, he you know he bounces his mask on the on the right, ground. I think it, yeah. I think that's a conversation to have in private. And I would assume Bilesma talked to him. Um, you know th- that doesn't look good on anybody. Mm-hmm. And you know you you get pulled out of a game. I'm I'm sure you are sour and you would be, you know, pissed off. But you you can't you can't really do that. Yeah. And so you know he's he's back in the goal and. You know, play, you know they've won two overtime games in a row, and um, you know he's their number one goalie, and they've got to have him play better than he has. But I, I don't, I didn't really put too too much into that. Is that all like media, a little bit more media, and got fans like myself, like just, ooh, look at that! Like you've been on the benches, it's like whatever. Well, yeah, but yeah. It's, it can't be ignored. Okay, you know, I mean, there's yep. there can't be anarchy. There's got to be, <laughs> you know, there's got to be some semblance of discipline, and that's why I say I would assume that they um, that they spoke about that. Um, the, the players have to know that mm-hmm. there is accountability to to the way that you act. I'm sure you're tired of talking about this, but we didn't do it last week because it hadn't happened yet. But you made Deadspin, you made Yahoo. Uh, very big moment in, in for the NHL. Uh, uh, Roman Polak uh, from the Maple Leafs on Matt Zuccarello on the hit, and then you were describing the hit. You don't really like it. I thought it was a little borderline, but you don't like the hit on the game, and you're describing it. He's he's eight inches from you, listening to you, uh, animated, and you're and watching the screen with you. And, and this is a real cool moment the TSN cameras caught. I'm sure you didn't think it was cool, but I thought it was. Well... It, it, the funny part is, so I'm talking to my producer as the play is going on, mm-hmm. and we decide, you know, I say, look, that's a penalty. we got to show it again yep. because, it, you know, there was no penalty. And so, and it's Zuccarello, you know, an important player. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about the highlight, and then the whistle blows. And just as we're about to start the highlight, um, I see, you know, the Leafs are making a change, and I can see Polak is coming around the door, and he's going to sit right beside me. Oh, so you okay? So, I, so you saw that? There. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I know he's there, but I'm like, well, there's nowhere to go now, <laughs> right. right? It's not like I could cover the screen. And so guys are often looking on my little monitor there to see whatever's going on and mm-hmm. see what the highlight might be. And so he sees right away it's the play. And if you haven't seen it, I mean, he's kind of gesturing around with yeah. his hands and he's <laughs> shaking his head no. And I'm saying it's a penalty, and he's going no. And so. Anyway, we get I get through the thing, and I, of course I can see what he's doing, but I don't know our cameras have this. Okay, right? Like, there's no yep. way I would know. I just I'm just doing my thing, and yep. so I press the mute button on my mic, and I and I said, uh, "Well, that was a penalty," 
He goes, oh, I don't know. And, and I'm like, well, I'm not saying it's a suspension. He goes, no, no, not a suspension. And I said, no, no, not a suspension, but it's no. a penalty. And he's like, yeah, maybe a penalty. And the thing is, he's a real, really mean-looking oh, guy. Oh, he's scary, Ray. He's very scary. He's, he's terrifying. Right. But he's not. Okay. He's a really nice guy. He's very... Uh, Likes to talk. He's, you know, he's got a good wit about him. Mm-hmm. And so by the end, I think we had decided it was probably a penalty. And, <laughs> you uh, guys got together. And then you just kind of go on, you know. Has that happened before like that? These... Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And I've, I've had guys, you know, make it clear they weren't very happy with, with my evaluation. Oh, really? After okay. sitting there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, where are you going to go? I'm stuck yeah. there. It's not yeah. – and I'm already talking about him. I can't say, hey, I know he's sitting right here, and, gee, he tried really hard there. But, <laughs> All of a sudden, hey, how funny know. would it be if you just reverse course and you're like, yeah, I didn't like it, but uh, great player. Great, great hard hard well, play. <laughs> Yeah, well then you then you would just sound like a hey, like you like you're a puss. So, right, right. Yeah, you know, hey, that was the fact that he came and sat around the door. As soon as he came around the door, I'm like, well, there's nowhere to go with this one. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah, I thought it was really funny. It was it was really. How many texts and phone calls did you get from that? You, you uh, I got yeah, I got a few. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People enjoyed that. So. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, all right, we're gonna wrap this up. Paul Pocky podcast show up right now. Uh, we got some questions from you. We'll have to get to them next week. Um, we went a little bit long and. And um, so, but I love the random NHLer segment we had last week. So I'll give you a choice this week, Ferraro. Um, okay. Random NHLer fact or or whatever you remember about playing against this guy, Trevor Linden or Jimmy Carson? Uh, Jimmy Carson, actually. Okay. Um, Jimmy had a couple really big years. Yes. Um, you know, in Los Angeles, he was, you know, him and Luke Robitaille were these two real young guys, I think they got 50 goals kind of maybe the same year or one year after each other. Yep. And uh, they would, whenever they got a chance, it was almost like it was a, I always laughed and I asked Luke about this and he, you know, years later when we played and he laughed because it turns out it's the way it was, is they would get a chance and one of them would pass it really quickly. So they'd get it back to shoot it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Like all these two guys <laughs> wanted to do was shoot. <laughs> Right, and there's only one puck, mm-hmm. and so you know, like you always looked at, and then like at Jimmy was it wasn't a great skater, could really handle the puck, and every time it seemed, you know, I'd be thinking, Jesus, doesn't do anything. Bam, it's in the net. Yep, and then you'd be like, oh, I guess that's what he does, right? Yeah. So it was, he was he was a very very potent scorer early in his career, and I played against him. Just a little bit, but enough to know that um, you could outskate him, but you better check him because if you didn't, you're going to pick up a minus. Yeah, traded in the Gretzky trade, 105 points or something with the Oilers, asked to be traded out of there, and then quickly kind of, you know, I guess when when you're not a great skater and you lose a little bit, that's all it takes, right? Well, and it's funny, sometimes you don't realize the place you're in is probably the best place for you. Yeah. He didn't want to be in, you know, he didn't want to be there and he'd had, had a big year and it just didn't work after that. All right, there we go. Jimmy Carson on the random NHL or fact for Ray, Ray Ferraro. I knew you'd have a story. You always do. I'm gonna. You're gonna have a story about every guy I pull up. So I'll try. Yeah, I'll work yeah. at it. I bet you do. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks again for listening. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher. Get it on PaulPocky.com, and uh, we'll be back next week with more. All right, Ray. Thanks, man. Later on. Talk to you next week. See you.